if we were to jump in a way back machine so I could have a conversation with myself, oh, let's say two years ago, and uh, future me or present me was to say to past me, Steve, in a few months from now, a pandemic is going to hit the earth, is going to hit the entire world, and we're all going to experience a profound shift or a profound challenge that we are going to have to overcome as a planet. And as a result of this, you are going to be asked to stay home. You're not going to get on an airplane for over a year. You are going to be expected to work from your home office, be productive, and still a contributing member of society, but without traveling. Stay home, do your work from home, just really close down as far as the amount of travel that you do and the amount of interaction you do, physical interaction you do with others. Now, find the bright side of that. I would say to myself, I would challenge myself, and I would say, Steve, find the bright side. And after pondering a bit, I imagine what I would think as far as the bright side would be is, first of all, I can wear sweatpants all of the time, which I think is a big plus. But other than that, on a more practical bright side, I would think that if being forced to stay in my office and work from my office without the necessity to travel or the opportunity to travel, I would think that my productivity would go through the roof. I would think all of these different digital products and courses and videos and online courses that I thought about producing, I imagine that I could just put my nose to the grindstone and I will be just productive. I will be a machine churning out high quality, relevant content. And it, I, would, I would find that as my bright side. Well, fast forward to today. And let's have that same conversation now with uh, past Steve now asking future Steve. So Steve, how did you do in that in the last year? How have you done productivity wise? How much have you really produced of high quality, good course content, digital content? Have you been really productive? I would probably cast my eyes down and go, I really haven't done what I could have done. I have underperformed and I feel terrible about that. And I do. I feel like over the last year that I have produced far less than I should have produced. And there are a variety of reasons for that. I, I think we have to give ourselves a certain amount of grace. We are in uncharted territory. But we still can take a step back and look at the reality of our productivity in the world today and take a snapshot and see if we can find the places that slippage is occurring. Why have we not been as productive over the past year as we would like to be? And not only that, I mean, the, the, the reasons for each of us might be slightly different, but what can we do about it? Can we take a step back? Can we hit the pause button? Can we reset, reboot this computer? And can we find that that seed of productivity that many of us seem to have lost. We will be exploring that today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. 
We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help. I want to help. And this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. And we are off to the races. Rachel Moore, how the heck are you doing this fine day? Uh, Steve, I am currently recording with you right now. And my family, I don't know if they listen to this podcast, but they were outside working and I'm not. So uh, I'm happy to be here with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're avoiding responsibility. I, no, I have a podcast with Steve. Yeah, that's and right. Steve. You know, it's important. I got to take care of this. What do you guys want? Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of feel like this week, this past week, with with our relationship between you and I, I kind of feel like we're like sports fans, but you're a soccer fan and I'm a hockey fan. No, no, and it's playoff time. Just I know you, you have to. I'm Canadian. You can't you can't claim hockey. Oh, uh, come but, on! But you have to be a soccer fan. But uh, <laughs> but it's playoff time, and I've got something to talk about that I'm excited about. And you understand because you're a sports fan, but you don't necessarily really get what it is I'm excited about because Apple had an event this week. I heard about that, but I figured I'd hear yeah. all I need to know from you. So Yeah, but I'm going to talk about it and, and I'm going to be excited about things. And you're kind of going to kind of go, yeah, it's nice that they won, but I don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Because here I sit with my my new Android, actually. I got a new Android phone and I... Uh... Yeah, and, and I look at that and I say, what's the point? What is seriously what is the point? <laughs> It's fine. I, I will sit here and, and listen rapidly uh, to whatever you have to say about Apple and, and just nod at the points I need to. That is kicking off the news. And I'm going to start the news. I'm, and I'm going to talk about two different aspects of Apple's thing. We'll break it up into two sections. But the thing that I'm probably most excited about, of course, Apple had their big, uh, their kind of annual event where they roll out new products. They do it multiple times a year now. The biggest one is going to be the next one, the one that I'm really excited about. And I don't get too often too excited about Apple's rollouts, but one product has really caught my imagination that they rolled out, and that is the AirTag. Have you paid attention to AirTag? I have not. Uh, no surprise there. Do you tell? Okay, AirTag is a little, it, it looks like a, a fob for a keychain. Uh, it's a little round disc, which is a Bluetooth-enabled tracker. Apple has built, as part of their ecosystem, actually a pretty robust Find My, I'm putting that in quotes, mm -hmm. Find My network. So, and it, and it works for everything from, for example, AirPods. If you lose one of your AirPods, you can ping it and it to help you find it, which is great for people that, you know, fall asleep on the couch and it gets into the cushions or in, in, they wear their AirPods at night and it's somewhere in the sheets in the bed. So it, it does that, but it also has worked tremendously well for find my iPhone where, or find my device where either a device is stolen or you've left it somewhere and you can ping and you can find out, did I leave it at work? You can tell, you know, and then at least you have the comfort level of no, it's not at work. Where is it? Oh, it's, it's in, it's in Cleveland. I have an issue. <laughs> um, but, 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 but it makes me think about it because so the, so these new air tags and they're going to, they're not going to be too expensive. They're going to be about $25 each or a four pack for a hundred dollars. Um, they are these little discs that are built in. Most people are going to buy them on a keychain because what do you lose the most is, is your keys. Sure. Uh, but you can put these discs in anything. You could stick it in your backpack. You could stick it in your wallet or your purse. Uh, you could, you know, they, they can go in multiple places. Stick it on and your kid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the 
the theory is, yeah, you just clap it on the back of the head. But here's the here's the kind of the cool thing about it, or some of the some of the the, the technology that it that it works on is very much a mesh based technology. Uh, it's Bluetooth, and what it does is it piggybacks on the ubiquitous nature of iPhones and iDevices in the in the in in our in the wild. Okay. And when you ping your device, it actually uses local devices, local Bluetooth, um, in order to locate, in order to tell you what area it's in. And Apple must have some incredible privacy to get this stuff passed. Yeah. I mean, they must have just some incredible privacy things. And, and it, there's, it creates a, a little bit of fear as far as the potential for what could be done nefariously with this tech sort of content. But Apple's always been pretty good at locking their stuff down and figuring out what the bad guys want to do. Um, but so, but at any rate, it, it piggybacks on that. So if you leave your keys at the gym or your, your wallet at the gym, uh, the people that are at the gym whose Bluetooth devices are on will actually act as an enabler. Like they won't know it. It's a it, kind of thing. Yeah. To, 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 to help you, to help you find your missing device, which I find very appealing. Now, if only they could get a version that would fit on my wife's glasses, <laughs> I would be I would be so very happy. Let's not be surprised but, if they come out with the little tiny micro ones or something cuz you know that's there's a need there obviously. Well, I had a question. I thought, you know, I was thinking along the lines of my iPhone or my uh, my watch and how often I have to charge my watch and I'm going, well just how useful is this thing cuz battery life as I thought about it is going to be one of the biggest issues. Mm-hmm. Uh but, but uh it lasts about a year. And it's a removable battery. It's not they they aren't using a little USB charger that you have huh. to pull it out. It's probably got one of those little watch batteries, you know, those little the, the little disky batteries. Disky. <laughs> He's a technical it's a cute, guy. It's a, disky, a cute disky. A disky type battery. <laughs> but it'll have one of those and uh and which is replaceable after a, in about a year. So a year of of having it in your wallet, uh, I think is pretty good. Or keys mm-hmm. in front. And of course being apple there's like the the, the $25 ones are like for the pedestrians there's hermes versions which are like $100 each on a very fancy fobbed keychain which is just so bouge I, I just I, I'm, I'm not going there yeah. i'm not going there myself but air tags excite me i think it's a well i mean wait again wait I, look, I appreciate Apple. I obviously don't buy their products. I think they hit home runs. I think they make really good products. I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, ignorant to that. And they do. I mean, I think they look at what the need is and, you know, how can we solve this? And you're right. If there's anyone who is pretty good at reinforcing privacy and security, it's Apple. I mean, you can't hack into their stuff. Or if you do, you have to be like super hacker. Um, in, in the protection that they put in there. So I would say uh, if there's anyone I would trust with this kind of technology to develop it, it would be Apple. So I'm very happy for all of you Apple uh, buyers that this is out. This sounds really cool. What have you found this week that has excited you in the world of tech? So um, I know that you are a, a big cheerleader, which you should be of email lists and email, you know, just using email as a communication tool. Um, I know we've talked recently about, um, you know, with mobile advertising, social advertising, you know, these new rules coming out from Apple uh, and eventually Google that are going to really restrict a lot of social advertising. And all this is making 
email marketing way more important again. It is. It's just growing in importance. Exactly. Uh, your, your email list is still the most valuable asset that an online business can, ha- can own. That's right. So Amazon is like, hmm, we should make sure we're capitalizing on that. And of course, and again, if, if you ever are looking at like, okay, what businesses or brands out there are just hardcore about helping people you know, make, sell their stuff to other people, it's Amazon, right? So Amazon mm. is giving brands a new way to email customers with ads and offers essentially in their infrastructure. Um, you can, you will be able to follow a brand that you buy from repeatedly or that you like, and then that data is going to be given to said brand. And now they will have the means to not just advertise to you in app or on, you know, Amazon store, but they can also connect with you via email if you followed them. So they're helping brands build their email marketing through Amazon and through their connection on the Amazon website. Forgive my lack of trust over this entire thing. What? Let me. So are they actually sharing the email address or do you have to send the email through some sort of an Amazon service and you're actually masked from the customer? So it's kind of like how Facebook allows us to have a custom audience that we can promote to that they know who it is, the people who followed us. But Amazon, or in the, uh, Facebook in that case, and in this case would be Amazon, still owns that customer. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's my no. assumption anyway. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so, you know, I use a, my family uses a single email address, which is mine, uh, to get into Amazon. And so if I choose to start going following brands, they will now be able to email me versus just relying on But the me. brand won't actually know your email address. They'll just know that they have a follower. I don't know. I think that that's that's the thing that I'm asking. Yeah, that's, that's the, I think I don't think you will. I don't think we will either. I think that that again, email addresses are gold. I mean, that's that's currency today, and so I think that Amazon will retain those and just make it all the more necessary for brands to have to work through them. Hey, cool! I could, you're yep, letting me yep. email market to my own people, but so so again, you're building your house on rented land. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But a very powerful rented land. But I mean, you know. Oh, for, you know something? If if you are selling an Amazon, if you're an Amazon retailer, you know, having access to those customers, I in a lot of ways, I don't look at Amazon. Obviously, most people look at Amazon as a, a online retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, increasingly, if you really want to hack Amazon and you know turn it into a tool for you for profit for you and not a place of convenience for you to purchase. If you want to be the customer and if you want to be, uh, if you don't want to be Amazon's customer, if you, but you want to be their partner, increasingly you have to look at Amazon as a social network. Mm-hmm. And it's all about getting those reviews. It's all about getting, coming up, popping up to the top of search when people are searching in Amazon, because that's, we use Amazon as a search engine. Now we, we use it as a research tool before we go and purchase. Totally. So all of that, all of that additional information that comes way before the, the pay they get they get into the shopping cart and they click on that pay button mm-hmm. all of that that happens before that's social networking yeah that's social networking that's happening and we have to master that that's i mean that's uh, you know why one of the reasons that we have a podcast like ours is to teach us the lay of this land yeah. so that we can understand the conversations that we have to have with potential customers and also understand the players exactly but uh but yeah but that's you know it's another place amazon is trying to you know in, in the convenience will be there, mm-hmm. I'm sure, but also the potential of them to disenfranchise yeah. you if you, if you, you know, so it's still. Yeah. You know, brands, you know, brands are going to foul it up. I mean, you know, they're going to, oh my God, I can totally, you know, and then just, blah, 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 blah. and you know, if you're smart about it, you can make it work, but 
you know, it, you're right. Again, it's, it's just, it's a, uh, a teaser Amazon's throwing out there, you know, trying to double down on stuff and capitalize on the importance of email, considering all the privacy stuff going out there, which my next story after your next story, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, brands out there, if you're on Amazon, please just be smart, be careful. Don't, don't kill us with your, with your email marketing that you're newly found that you can use. Thank you. My second story is, is, is returning to Apple's event. And I, when they, when Apple rolled out, did, did you see their new iMac? It's a 24 inch iMac and they've gone back to the old original iMac. They've gone back to a color schemes where you've got all these different, uh, these different colors. I've and, heard and a lot about colors this week. Yeah. Pastelli colors. And when I saw that, I groaned <laughs> and went, <sighs> so, and, and it didn't, it didn't excite me. And so consequently, I looked at that part of Apple's announcement with a little bit of a jaundiced eye. I went, eh, I'm not so keen on that. And, and it, plus, I really want them to release their new MacBook Pro, which I want to buy. So here's another computer that I'm not going to buy, mm -hmm. which, uh, which, uh, okay, it, it, I just kind of hum-hawed over it. But then as I kind of did my due diligence and spent a little bit of time in the specs and kind of looked at it with a bit of more of a dispassionate eye and less judgy, I gotta say they might've, they might've done it again. You know, maybe it's not, it's not going to be earth shaking, but it is a worthy addition. It looks like to Apple's lineup of computers. And here's the things. So the, obviously the, the new iMac is based on Apple's M1 chip, which has just been a staggering story. I mean, it's right. a fascinating story how they came about, moving this M1 chip into the desktop. For those that don't know, um, Apple's new computers, all the, these M1-enabled computers, uh, are incredibly fast, and they just they defy common sense as far as how well they perform, how powerful they are as chips. They run cooler, they run faster, they, they just do everything better. And they weren't designed for that. What happened is they designed this really capable chip for their iPhone, which is the, really where they make most of their money. And then, and from you know, it, it might be urban myth now, but what I read about it is that their their engineers said, "Well, I wonder what could happen if we could. I wonder if we can increase the, uh, the 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 capabilities of these computers if we start to put more power into them. Because, of course, on a smartphone or on a tablet, you're very much limited by the amount of juice that yes. flows into it that can go through it." And in really, the physics law applies to computing. We often forget that, it, you know, it, it takes, you know, it's like water pressure. The more pressure that you put into a chip, the more electricity you can flow into a chip, the more processes it can do, the more data that it can crunch, the more, the faster it will be. But what's the, what's the, what's the flip side of that is when we start pushing that electricity through, what happens? We generate heat and heat, it creates also a, a myriad of problems. Mm -hmm which has always been the, the, the bane of the, the computer chip designers, uh, existence is dealing with heat. If they can dissipate the heat, they can make computers run faster, which is why super computers are super cool. They're cooled with nitrogen and, or with, uh, you know, some super cooling agent in order for the process to be able to run fast. Well, I started pumping extra juice through this chip and it just kept handling it. And because they've got these really wide buses, you know, in, in technical terms, it's just, you know, really lots of, lots of different lanes of the highway. Right. So regardless of how much traffic you got through, if you've got enough lanes, you can still kind of, the traffic can keep on flowing if there's lots of different options. And so there's all these, so they discovered 
much to their delight, and <laughs> from what I hear, surprise, is that if they put it into a desktop class machine with like a 60-watt power supply, that the things are just rock stars. Nice. They just perform incredibly fast. So this this is fast-tracked the entire new generation of, of Apple computers because they've got these very capable M1 chips that run cool, that require a small amount of power, wow. little power, because they're designed to run off battery. So they can, so on like a notebook device, the, the battery life is exceptional. And once you add that extra amount of power, you've just got these super powerful chips and they're small and they don't require a lot of cooling. They run cool. So now we're seeing this whole new generation of computers based on the M1 chip and the iMac is a part of that generation. So the, the things that the things that really impressed me the most about it, though, are beyond the fact, I mean, the, the M1 chip is kind of a global story of what's happening with mm-hmm. Apple. But when I looked at the specs, are you a 24-inch monitor, a 24-inch display, all-in-one computer with like 8 gig of memory, which doesn't sound like a lot, but because of these super wide buses, mm-hmm. it's very fast, you know, with, you know, 200, 512 gig of storage, and it's got multiple ports, and it's got a phenomenal absolutely phenomenal state-of-the-art display built-in speakers three microphone array which they which from what i'm understanding and 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 it in a high def forward-facing camera for your video conferencing so you might not you know they're saying that people can report record podcasts i don't believe that but you'd have to be in a quiet space still yeah but guess how much it weighs oh oh um four pounds no that would be ridiculous it's 10 pounds (laughs) 24 inch a 24 inch computer that's 10 pounds Dude. yeah and it's like super thin it's like it's, it's like old old iphone thickness it's it, With it's a 24 it's inch screen thin. yeah seriously that is like yeah, 10 pounds and it's got all of this stuff built into it and so those are, so it's just it just seems to me that they've really that it's it's in it's priced at the, basically the same price as the old imac uh, now that we don't have a 27 inch version out yet, don't know when that's coming. Um, but the 24 inch version seems to be just a just a home run. And they've also done one other thing, which I don't think they did before. Uh, Apple's got a beautiful stand array, uh, but a lot of us like to use a Visa mount. We like to mount our put our um, computer monitors on arms mm-hmm. on our desk to to remove so that we don't have a, a stand on our desk. There's a version you can purchase now directly from Apple that has is Visa capable. With my old iMac, I I had it no, with my old Mac displays. You used to have to use these really elaborate different uh, adapters mm-hmm. in in to, in order to put a Visa display on uh, to use a Visa mount. But now it's available with that. And the last point that I'm going to make is they learn from their. We won't say mistakes, but they learn from what we lose. Whenever we establish a new piece of technology, we lose something. And one thing that most iPhone users of the new, the newest models of the iPhone, one of the things we lament is the home button, the old home button, because now we have a full screen. So you don't have that home button that you can click to that returns you to home. And while we at the beginning lament the loss of the home button, because it, uh, it, it, it takes us a little while to learn the new mm-hmm. gestures for navigation. The real reason most of us miss the home button is the fingerprint ID for unlocking the phone, mm-hmm. which we just learned to rely on. And it's a pain in the ass now because they use face recognition. Right. And so when you're like using your phone for tap payment in the store, uh, you have to enter your code every time because it doesn't recognize your face mm-hmm. with the freaking mask on. <laughs> Uh, which Apple's, by the way, changing apparently with the new version of the watch and the new OS. But at any rate, that's always been a, it's always been a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they've added to their new keyboard. They said people love the fingerprint reader, so they've added a fingerprint reader to the new keyboard because they've listened. We don't think Apple listens a lot, but right. I guess they did listen. And the, the, the fingerprint reader, it's, it's not as convenient. I mean, when it's on a phone, it's just there's a little bit of magic that happens sure. there. But it just it's another kind of example of Apple getting it. Last point before, I, <laughs> as I'm just kind of just gushing about this. <laughs> It's so fast that they're saying in their marketing materials that in Safari web, in the Safari web browser, you can have hundreds of tabs. Oh open, no! Which is just it, when we talk about today's theme, which we're talking yes. about productivity, <laughs> is terrible. It's terrible <laughs> news that you can have hundreds of tabs open because I I don't know. Sometimes I look at my desk and I've got like thirty tabs open and I go, "What the world are you I'm doing?" I'm looking Dotto, at mine right now useless. and I'm like. Oh yeah, yeah, and it and it just grinds your computer to a halt. Not the M one's gonna gonna handle it. So that's my news, and we'll have links to it, of course. And, and if you so if you haven't paid attention to it, which it's easy to lose in the noise, uh, Apple's event is 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 fairly significant that's with those right. with the Air Tags and the the new iMac, and they also released new more powerful um, tablets, which uh, we can talk about at another time. But that's those were the main those were the main things. Dang, that's cool. And uh, I just want to say to everyone listening, um, I, I haven't finished all my coffee for the morning. So yes, I should have probably guessed a little higher for the potential weight of that system, considering it was a 21st <laughs> screen. So I didn't even it's like, like Rachel. Uh, yeah, I that- put people on the we put people on the spot all the time because you don't think about it. Yeah. You know, you, it's not, not, not like you think a lot of it. And I always put you on the spot. It was guess the weight. <laughs> and uh, it, but it, that's okay. 10 pounds is, is just pretty, that's pretty ridiculous. awesome. Well, and, I mean, and four pounds, you were thinking notebooks. You're I was, notebooks. I was, I was thinking that. And thank you. Thank you, Steve. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, I, uh, and it's funny because that'll actually carry into today's topic too, about how like, I, I usually have no, um, no great way to tell weight. I'm not a good guesser at that. So, uh, but the data doesn't lie. <laughs> Which will tie you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't do well at the carnival? Yes, you not. Weight. No, I would do terrible. Um, so I think it's interesting. You kind of closed with the uh, biometric stuff uh, with the fact mm-hmm. that fingerprint readers coming back uh, because Apple listened. So I'm going to bounce back to Amazon again. Um, so apparently they're testing out a feature at some Whole Foods stores, which is owned again. If anyone uh, doesn't recollect, owned by Amazon now. Uh, but they are testing out paying with your palm uh, to where you can go. And it's not it's not going to be at your ne- your Whole Foods next to your house. So if anyone shops at Whole Foods, don't go try this yet. But it's probably coming. Um, but they are big, making it to where if you go to one of the, I think it's two stores they're beta testing this at. But um, you can pay with your credit card, but it will prompt the person, if, would you like to scan your palm? for future payments and you can let it do that. Then the next time you go to said Whole Foods store, you can just hold your palm over a scanner and it'll pay for your groceries. So they must have an app then or an account where you can attach your palm to your payment system. Yes, and I will correct myself. It's eight Whole Foods locations. These are all in the Seattle area. So if any of us are listening that Mm -hmm. are from Seattle, you may be able to try this. It's called the Amazon One system. Uh, that will let them read the person's palm print to confirm their identity. Um, and so that is rolling out. Uh, I was really curious on hearing this. And we talked about privacy, you know, and yes, we probably trust Apple with a lot of that. What about Amazon? How do you feel about Amazon having does, a palm print? Yeah, it doesn't matter who. The, it's, it's, the classic, it's the classic creep mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of privacy invasion. 
and and obviously by the fact that we do that i teach technology it's not like i can sit here on my high horse and say that you know i'm i'm totally against this but we always anytime somebody asks us for to invade our privacy it's for the sake of convenience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you have to weigh the convenience of a service like this versus the fact they basically have that kind of biometric marker against you that's right and i normally normally i would do things like that i wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. i'm okay with my i'm okay with tap I don't mind using Apple Pay or any other tap version thing that's on my phone. The privacy consideration versus the convenience and the accounting information I get from it makes it worthwhile. Uh, But it's my phone. Mm -hmm. It's not me. You know, know, my palm print, which is, yeah. That's your fingerprint. That's, I mean, it's a primary way of it. Well, and it's funny that we talk about this too, and you hit it right on the head. I've always been loath to uh, do face facial recognition. Um, Actually, though, like on my Android, I use work stuff uh, for my full-time job so I can access those software programs on my phone. And it requires me, which is fine, requires me to have enter my pin every single time I turn my phone on which gets really tedious, you know, because I do lock my screen a lot. And so I did, I went ahead and opted, you know what, let me do the fate. Let me try this. And so now I just hold the phone up to me. You know, if I just hold it, like I'm looking mm-hmm. at it, it opens right up. Yeah. Convenient. Uh, my face is in there now. And so, but, but I agree. I, I, I don't, I'm trying to like I'm, nail down but, why. But do you use Google photos? Um, I've actually been steering toward Amazon photos. <laughs> okay. Regardless, either one, has facial recognition True. and you can put in a person's uh, face and it does a phenomenal job of finding that, you know, you put in a, your 17 year old's face and it finds them as a baby and still it manages to classify them. That's right. You know, that, 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 that cow has left the barn a long time ago. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah the so, palm, the palm thing and fingerprint it, thing. It, it's a bridge. It's maybe not be a bridge too far, but it's a bridge into a murkier place. Yeah. And, and we'll have the links, uh, we'll have this link along with the others in the show notes, but, uh, they have already indicated they plan to sell this technology to third parties. So, uh, of course, of course you will, because you're probably going to start seeing palm reading, palm reading, like palm reading to pay, not palm reading. Like, you know, let's, as you were doing the, as you were uh, referring to the show notes, why don't you complete the pitch? Where do they, where do they go for those show notes? Sure thing. Well, Steve, uh, if, any of, if any of our listeners would like to find our show links, that will be at www.dototech.com slash 65 gray with an E. That is slash 65 G-R-E-Y. There we go. Let's take a break. And I'm going to talk about productivity when we come back. Do you need a little more Steve time? I get it. And I have something for you. Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday. And you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them, and we are still going strong. I know, it almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation, or online marketing, and more Steve? Oh, pinch me. I'm in a little bit of heaven. 
The links are in the description or visit dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. How often does the end of the day arrive and you look back on the work that you've accomplished that day and you feel a sense of disquiet? You really don't feel like you got as much accomplished as the energy that you put into the day. I, this happens to all of us, so it's not that you're alone in this. But I believe that our productivity has suffered a fair amount, uh, especially over the last year with the pandemic. Uh, there are other factors that are exacerbating the problem. We were well on the path to diminish productivity long before the pandemic hit, but the pandemic exacerbated the situation. There can be no question. I mean, here we are now, what, we're over a year into this, uh, you know, sort of self-inflicted uh, lockdown or, or mandated lockdown, uh, traveling less, spending more time in the office. But for a lot of us, feeling like we are accomplishing less, maybe maybe not less than we were before, but less than we should be based on the amount of time that we're now spending in the office. And it's, it's frustrating at best. It can be depressing and almost debilitating at worst. I think we have to give ourselves a little bit of a break. I believe that the trend towards diminished productivity began long before the pandemic struck. I believe that the nature of the internet, the distracted nature of the internet, and the fact that we uh, are basically almost training us ourselves to have attention deficit disorder by all of the different uh, distractions that occur in the course of a day, I think that that has gone a long ways towards inhibiting our productivity substantially. And now with the pandemic, of course, it's just been, it's just exploded. And for many of us, we're feeling a little bit lost. So when we began this year, when 2021 began, I determined that I was going to explore my own personal productivity uh, with a different eye. Typically speaking, when we think about improving our productivity, what do we do? We look for a better tool. We look for a better way to do things. And we look for a way to become more efficient in what we do, which is, uh, which is completely understandable. And it's one way to approach productivity. But I tried to approach it from a different perspective. I tried to approach it this time a little bit more holistically. I wanted to understand where I was losing productivity and what things I should not be doing that I am doing, which is, which is I think, something that a lot of us look at. But I looked at my productivity not so much this time as getting more done, but getting better work done. If I'm going to spend time on something, I want to improve the quality. Now, I, I, I don't want to become anal about the quality of the work. I believe in the mantra, you know, done, done is better than perfect. Uh, but I wanted to improve the overall quality of my work. I wanted to, when I sit down and do something, I wanted to be able to look at it afterwards and say, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, it took me a little bit longer than I planned, but man, it's, it's a piece of work that I'm happy to share. It's a piece of work that I'm happy with. I think I've done a good job. So how do we break it down? How do we start this entire process? If I, we are going to look at our productivity lives and we're going to break it down and then rebuild our productivity. So as I looked at that, the, the, the situation, I came up with a series of four or five different kind of exercises or uh, themes that I covered over the course of the first quarter of this year. And we, we taught a lot, all of these in our weekly webinar series on Webinar Wednesday. And I'm going to kind of walk over the next, uh, next couple of months with you on the podcast here. I'm going to walk through some of the highlights of what I learned as we went through that. And the first step, which I intuitively knew we had to do, 
was I wanted to do a time audit on myself. I wanted to sit down and, 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 and understand in detail where the time went each day, where I spent my time, uh, where, I, where I spent productive time, where I spent quality work time, and where I lost time. And as I did this time audit, and I'll explain to you the process of the time audit in just a few moments. As I, as I performed this time audit, I realized one of the biggest issues that I was facing from both the uh, productivity point of view as far as quantity of work, but also quality of work, was how fractured my day had become, how distracted I had become, and how for me to sit down and work for more than a half an hour on any one uh, theme or on any one uh, direction was more rare than common. And I just have to believe that that wasn't the case in a calmer, less distracted world, that it was easier to focus. But oh, too many things now conspire to distract us. And so that was really one of the first lessons that the global lessons that I discovered was the fact that our days are so fractured. But how do you determine that? How do you determine exactly which tasks you're doing, how long it's taking you to do those tasks, and just getting a real snapshot of what you're doing? Because from the inside, you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, you know, you really can't tell what you're getting done in a day and what you're working on as you're working on it. You have to kind of be able to take a step back and look at it with a kind of a dispassionate eye. So the first thing that I decided we needed to do was to, to, to do a time audit. I wanted to do a time audit. And they are, I, I think, just a great exercise. I, I actually got really excited about the prospect of doing a time audit. And I'm hoping as you're listening here that you might be able to get excited about the concept of doing a time audit as well. It's a little bit like, you know, actually stepping on the scales every day and and, and measuring yourself and measuring your uh, exactly, you know, what what damage you are doing or what the, what the results are of your lifestyle. So it could be somewhat sobering, but if you really want to improve, if we really want to get better, get more done, get better work done, we have to know what we're doing. We have to understand it because there's one thing that we can't make more of. We can't make more time. That's the one thing that, 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 that that's, that's a diminishing resource. So figuring out how we spend that time, if you stop and think about it from that perspective, this is a mission worth uh, undertaking. So if we can measure our time, if we can actually understand what we're doing, then we can make informed decisions on where we spend it. And often our existing preconceived notions of how we spend time are distorted. So uh, the goals that I set out as I started my own, uh, my own time audit was I wanted to find out where I wasted time. I wanted to also identify outsourcing opportunities. I wanted to identify things that I'm doing that perhaps I should not be doing that it would be more efficient for somebody else to do. I was very interested in that particular part of my time audit. And I wanted to find a way to build in more efficiency. And efficiency can be an umbrella term for getting more done, but as I mentioned, getting higher quality work done. So I did a lot of research. I read, uh, I read all of the productivity gurus' uh, uh, missives on how you should do a time audit and what the process should be. And many of them recommend that you begin your time audit uh, by with intention is you write down and you actually sit down and write down your goals. Like you basically, I, I think it's almost cribbing the, the time on it because you write down your goals, what's important, what you want to get done and how you want to spend your day. And then you set that as the, as the goal. And then when you do your time audit, when you actually measure what you do in the day, you're comparing it constantly that goal. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a great way to do it, but instead 
I wanted to start with a blank slate. I wanted to start with the research. I wanted to, without any preconceptions, I wanted to measure what I do in the day and then take a look at it at the end of a couple of weeks when I really have a good snapshot of what happens in the day and then start to make decisions based on that data. I don't think one way is necessarily better than the other, but the way that I like to do it was to start with the research. So how, how do you do that? How do we do that? What's the process for actually starting with the research? Well, I guess there's an easy way and there is a hard way. Uh, the hard way, at least as far as I'm concerned, is a manual method that really requires a fair amount of discipline. Uh, you have you start with a sheet of paper. It could be a spreadsheet or a, or a physical piece of paper, and you literally write down what you do every day. Every 15 minutes, you stop what you're doing, and you write down on this piece of paper exactly what you're doing, and then you create some sort of a, uh, of a, of a summary of all of the things that you do in the day at the end of the process. Uh, I think that that's very difficult to do. Uh, a lot of people are comfortable with that process. It, it wasn't going to do it for me. I've looked for an easy way to do it, and I'm willing to let my computer spy on me to determine exactly what I'm doing each day and then report back to me. So I have an app installed in my computer called Rescue Time. There will be links in the description. And what Rescue Time does is it audits all of your product, all of your activities all day long, and then gives you a report. And how it audits your activities is it looks at those websites you're in or the applications you're using, and it simply logs that information. Uh, now, so it, it uh, a lot of people are concerned, of course, about the privacy aspect of a tool like Rescue Time. And if you read their privacy guidelines, they are very, very careful and cautious to let you know that they are not going to be sharing your information with anybody that shouldn't. But instead, it's a it, it's going to create a digest of the places that you spend time. And then what it does is it categorizes each of the different activities as best it can. So it looks at productive time, highly productive time. It looks at uh, that low productive time and it assigns different tasks into those classifications. So highly productive time, it would consider if, if you were in, if you had a spreadsheet open or if you had email open or if you had a word processor open and you were writing, it would classify that as highly productive time. Moderately productive, it might look at if you're in search, if you're uh, doing internet search and you have a search engine open because it can't tell if you're looking for something work-related or something just uh, frivolous. And then low productive time, uh, it, would, it would put down as entertainment things. Playing a game, of course, would be considered low productive time. Uh, browsing through your Facebook profile would be or your Facebook newsfeed, that would be considered low productive time. Watching YouTube videos, low productive time. Ah, you say, Steve, wait a minute. There's a fly in that there ointment, and indeed there is. Aren't you a YouTuber? And when you have YouTube open, isn't that really productive time for you? You're not actually watching videos for entertainment, although I could be. But for the most part, when I'm in YouTube, it's highly productive time. I am actually uh, editing or uh, not editing. I'm actually edit yeah, editing the descriptions or I'm doing research for my next videos. Uh, so my time in YouTube is highly productive. Well, Rescue Time allows you to go into its settings and allows you to select any activities and choose the value of that activity. So as we set it up, to audit ourselves in the background, we go through, you wait a couple of days and then you go through the report that Rescue Time gives you and look at what you're doing just at this point here for measurement, not for judgment, but for measurement. 
you go through and you assign values to the different activities that you're doing. And if you look at maybe a three or four day period, that's pretty much all of the different apps and the different tools that you'll have open on your computer over that period, over, you know, pretty much for all time. So you can get a really good idea of which tools you're using at that point there and then assign within rescue time which ones are productive and which ones are not productive and then let it do its thing and you do your thing. For two weeks, just work away, do your job, do as best you can, have that sense of disquiet at the end of each and every day that you, that you didn't get as much done as you wanted. But now you have the knowledge that you're actually being measured and you can come back at some point in the future and we can take a look at this report and then we can actually see where time is leaking, where we are losing time. And that is in fact exactly what I did. And I think it takes a minimum of 10 days, two weeks, even longer is better. If you can do three weeks, it's better. But once you've done that, you generate the report out of rescue time and you have a good, honest conversation with yourself, taking a look at where you spend your time. And within that report, as I said, what I wanted to see was I wanted to discover places and opportunities for outsourcing. I wanted to discover where I, where I, where I, where I lost time and where, what time was profitable. You know, you can assign values. Actually, what you can do is a great idea, I think, is to set up a form of an Eisenhower matrix for yourself as you do this. And as you look at each of the different kind of global tasks or different, uh, different work areas that rescue time, uh, identifies you, I would set them up in a matrix that the, uh, you know, top left would be important and urgent stuff that you have to do and has high value. So for me, that would be say time spent recording videos. Then you'd look at things that are important, but not necessarily urgent. Uh, they have high value, but others could do it as well. So maybe editing video or in word processors in, in writing, it's stuff that is not necessarily as time sensitive, perhaps others could do, but it's still valuable. And then the bottom parts of the matrix you would put down on the bottom left would be urgent, but not important. Uh, so for example, perhaps maybe participating in a live stream, it's time sensitive. It has to happen in a certain time, but perhaps there's not as much value as an other task that you might have that you're doing in that time frame. And then the bottom right are things that we want to avoid. Not important and not urgent. Uh, they are just uh, the things that that are can be time wasted. No, they can be fairly productive in one aspect. So, for example, if you spent a lot of time organizing your Dropbox folders, that would be considered, I think, not important and not urgent. It, it might end up being productive and something that's useful to do, but it's very low energy cycles as far as your, you know, as far as how much energy you put in it and those sorts of things you can put down in that bottom quadrant. That way there you can, if, if you have that Eisenhower matrix set up, and if you don't know what an Eisenhower matrix looks like, check our show notes and we will have a, I'll, I'll have an image of this Eisenhower matrix I just described to you. Uh, but it's basically a decision-making tool. It's just four squares. Uh, and then you, and you put the most important things in the upper left, the less important things in the upper right, the not quite as important down in the lower left and the not important at all in the lower right. And that helps you to visually see what is important and what's not and what you should be spending time on. So once you've gone through your t personal time audit and you've classified the different things that you do, 
well, I, some different things will pop up. You've, now, for me, I discovered some areas that I should be outsourcing. One of the things that I discovered that I should be outsourcing as I did it is I spent a lot of time in YouTube comments, which used to be a very valuable part of my day because listening to what others had said to me on YouTube, what the comments were, helped us grow our channel. But increasingly, that is, while still something which is valuable from a PR point of view and from a, an engagement point of view, it's also a lot of me just thanking people for nice comments, which somebody else could do. So one of the things that I determined right away was I could recapture maybe 45 minutes a day in YouTube comments by having a VA go through all of the comments, uh, validate the people who are commenting, thank them, and then to mark down and create a short little digest of the requests that I should be paying attention to or comments that are personal for me and I should look at. So instead of me on a daily basis now going through uh, 130 comments, instead I have to just look at and read six or seven comments that I are actionable items for me. Whoa big time saving, big, big win. That's the sort of wins that I was looking for as I went through. Now, from a far more kind of discouraging point of view, I also recognized when I did the, the time audit, how fractured my time was. And I, and I alluded to this right off the top today. And that was, and this is, became a recurring theme as I looked at all of the different options and the ways that I was going to triage and build a better productivity system for myself is I recognized a theme of distraction. I recognized that the chunks of time that I was spending on any one project were less than I imagined. I thought, you know, maybe I spent a lot of time working on something and then when I look at uh, rescue time, I realize I spent 11 minutes on that task. And it seems to me that I spent more, but that's the proof is in the pudding. And so recognizing that I didn't spend, that I didn't spend the half hour, I thought I spent 11 minutes on that. And then I got distracted by Facebook or I got distracted by something else. And then I came back to it again, but I didn't spend continuous time working on the, on the project, on whatever it was that I thought I was. And herein lies, I think one of the biggest issues that we face uh, in our current day. And that is the distracted nature of work. You know, I, I'm a big believer in what they call the flow state. The flow state is that, that, that point of intense concentration that we reach. And you, you all know it when the world gets small around you and you focus on the task at hand. Now our brains are really complex thing. And concentration and focus is, 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 uh, is something which can be measured and it can actually be trained. Um, but when we focus and when we get into the flow state, we spend more of our energy focused on the task at hand and less of our brain cycles are spent in maintenance mode or in wondering mode or in defensive mode, worrying about somebody attacking you from behind with a rock or something. And we concentrate more and more of our energy on the task at hand. And I, the best way it was described to me is someone described getting into the flow state as a, a big rig, as a truck that when you start start working on anything, you start out in first gear and you go slowly and you're moving in the right direction. And so it's a hard pull. It's a hard pull to get anything done because you're now marshalling your resources. You're having to put aside all of the different things that were worrying you or were entertaining you or were, or were top of mind as you started to work on whatever project it is you're working on. You have to kind of start to push those things away. So when we start out, we're in first gear, we're going slowly. And then as we spend five minutes, maybe seven minutes on task, we're starting to, the other things are fading into the background, more of our 
our focus and concentrations on the task at hand, we move into second gear and we get start getting a lot more done. And here's the beauty. As we start to get a little bit more done, more focus on the task, so we're approaching the flow state, not only do we get more accomplished, but the work that we get accomplished is done so with greater clarity. The quality, which I mentioned, is getting better as we move into second gear. And then more stuff fades in the background. You start getting into that state and you get into third gear and you start getting a lot more done. Now, the problem is often by the time we get to third gear, maybe it's 12 minutes in and we get distracted. And, and, and what happens? If you get distracted, even for 30 seconds to look at a post in Facebook or to get pinged to check out something on your phone that pinged you, even that little distraction sets you back and you are back in first gear and you have to start going again. Now, granted, if you've just come out of the flow state or just been getting into the flow state and you jump out for just a few seconds and you get back in, maybe you haven't gone all the way back down to first gear, but you've definitely taken a step backwards and you've lost some of that momentum that we had built as far as building our productivity. And that is, uh, that's just a crying shame as far as I'm concerned. We all know the experience as we get farther and farther into the flow state. All time starts to kind of fade into the background. Though, as I say, the world gets small and, and, and we just, it just feels right. And things that are a challenge to do when you uh, don't have intense concentration, just happen. And when you finish, you say, wow, I got all of this done. And it maybe it wasn't in a very long period of time, but the quality of work is excellent. The folk, there's not mistakes. It's all on point. And, you're, and you just feel a real kind of a washing over you of success. That is what I seek. That's what we should all be seeking. And recognizing that it is becoming more and more rare for many of us in this distracted age with the combination of worry about the pandemic to the distracted nature of having a smartphone and a tablet and notifications on our computer and multiple screens and multiple applications open and multiple tabs open on our browser. It's just really difficult to get into that state of concentration. Now, in the next couple of weeks, as we talk a little bit more about productivity, uh, as we, as we tackle the topic in the next few months, I guess, really on the podcast, I'll share with you some of the techniques and some of the things that I've learned that help get us into that flow state. But as we did our time audit, there was far too many times that I stopped myself from being productive in order to be distracted myself. I actually chose to. I went, oh, let's open Facebook and take a look and see what's happening. I there were times, much to my frustration, that I could see that I was spending 15 minutes on something, and then I chose to go off and do take a look and see what's happening on Facebook. What a colossal gaffe that is. Like If I'd stayed focused on task, I would have got so much more done. So I had to sit down and have a talk with myself about my priorities. That's one thing that I learned from the time audit. I was also able to identify these wonderful outsourced opportunities, things that I could take off my plate, that it was better for other people to do than myself and assign those and start to put a process in place that move them off my plate. Big win there. And I also identified, as I just mentioned, that the flow state was becoming more and more of a rare thing for me to get into. And regardless of what I was gonna put into place, it wasn't going to be successful for me unless I found a way to concentrate more and to remove distraction from my life as much as possible in the workspace. So that's what I got from my personal time audit. I'm going to challenge you. 
do a time audit, spend the next two weeks and take on a time audit yourself and give it and have an honest look at how you spend your time. Some of you, you might go, yes, I knew all of that and I'm good with it. And if that's you good on you, but many of you are going to go, Hmm, that's an interesting thing. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with what I'm doing and how I'm doing that. And perhaps something should be done about that. I believe that we're going to have that sort of a reaction from our community. Uh, I will share links in the show notes of the tools that I used in a little description of, of the process that we went through, but recognizing that all productivity, that if you want to improve your productivity, if you want to get more and higher quality work done, I don't think the place to start is with a new tool is with a new application is with a new system. Instead, I think the place to start, no, I don't think I know the place to start is by doing a time audit, taking a good, clear look at how you spend your time, understanding your own personal productivity, and then giving you a baseline to work from so that you can then modify what you're doing in order to gain the productivity benefits that you're looking for. So did I make you feel guilty with my discussion of productivity? And did you recognize the fact that you probably waste a tremendous amount of time each day? Steve, um, you know, some of these episodes just feel like they are screaming right at me. And this one definitely was one of those. So I, fully, I do have, yes. Yeah. I do have a feeling that a lot of our listeners are going to go, yeah, you're talking to me, Steve. You don't know you're talking to me, but you're talking because it's, but it's the thing is we beat ourselves up over this. We do. Mm -hmm. we, we feel that we are doing something right. And it's, it's, it's like the boiling frog, the, the amount of distraction that has been brought into our lives on a daily basis has just slowly increased. And, <laughs> you know, notifications on your computer, notifications on your phone, uh, you know, the fact that you add a piece of technology, do you use a single or multiple computer screens? Oh, I have three. So I have two external plus the, the laptop I work on. Three so. screens. Why yeah. do you need three screens? Uh, well, uh, I tend to keep my email on the left and notes, yes. and then I keep my browsers on the right and then I uh -huh. keep teams in the middle. So I just, and so, yeah. so you're working on anything and a new email comes in and immediately your attention gets drawn to the new email that came in because you want to see what's going on, regardless of if you're in the middle of writing something, which you're in the flow state in that, new, know, that new distraction comes in. You, and you brought up such a good point. And this is something, again, it's just something that's a no brainer when I hear you say it. But like I have a little, I have a little Archon mount thing for a desktop and I have my phone facing, my phone's face is right in my face. Yeah. And so, so even if I'm writing, come in. I yeah. know. And I can't, that I can't do that. I need to not do that because I can't, I can't get work done. It takes, it takes, it takes, this is why a audit is so valuable is it allows us to step out of ourselves. So we add all of these things so that we feel there's a kind of a double-edged sword thing that happens is with all of the distracted things that happen, we feel a sense of loss of control mm -hmm. and that loss of control. We think that if we can have more things that we're aware of, we can be in control more. So we have our phone facing us with notifications. We have multiple screens with all the possible points of contact with Slack. We have our watch, all of these things pointing at us. So we have a sense of control over the communications that are coming in 
to our environment. But it's 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 self defeating. It mm-hmm. it actually ends up hurting us more because the, we we end up bouncing. We, you know, with the the bright and shiny object syndrome, we bounce from thing to thing to thing, and we are actually training ourselves to have ADHD. Yes, and, and we we're putting that in place. Whereas, you know, so finding a way to cocoon yourself, to shield yourself and focus, um, that is, that is, we're all going to, most people that go through a time audit are going to face this reality. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have to determine what their appetite for segregation is. Is that the right term? I'm not sure that's the right term. But, yeah, you know, we talk about the fear of missing out, FOMO. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, kind of dovetails in really well with all this because you don't want to miss what's happening. There seems yeah. to be an immediacy that we have to know immediately what's happened. Now, I'm watching a, you know, a, a TV show right now um, on Apple TV called um, uh, For All Mankind, which is an alternate reality of what's happened with NASA, mm-hmm. it, the NASA, the, the space program, uh, if the Russians had landed first on the moon. Oh, and wow. so it's looking back in time and then technologies evolve. Most of the characters are the same, like the, the, the historical figures and the historical events are the same. It's a fairly interesting series from that perspective, but I digress. As I watch it, you know, they're in the 60s and people don't know what's happening as it's happening. They're waiting mm-hmm. for the news that night or the newspaper that night and they seem perfectly happy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's so weird. You know, well, and I loved your analogy of the big, the Mack truck, like the big truck. Yeah. Because if I can look at distraction as if, hey, I'm trucking along on the highway and, oh, my God, a car almost hits me and I have to hit the brakes and I get startled and freaked out by that interruption and then I got to get going again, that helps me notice that I don't need those notifications. I don't need those because they are actually hurting the overall. It can be, especially if you're talking about productivity you're trying to make money um yep. yeah that they can that that can be that big of a derailer to uh to harm your productivity and harm your bottom line and harm your money and harm your mental health too so. well and and uh, you know and we, we we are capable of such incredible amounts of work when we're in the flow state i mean i i i didn't realize just you know how much how off how seldom i was getting into it until i went through mm-hmm. and started to do the time audit and because i always used to pride myself on the amount of work that i could accomplish in a day and, but I recognize that back in those days, like even, even thinking back to when I was in the studio and, you know, I'd be in my office and things would be going on around me and people would be having conversations and I would be so laser focused on the script I was writing or the email I was writing that I wouldn't know what was going on. And people would mm-hmm. talk to me and, uh, they, they would just, they, they just kind of looked at and said, you know, Steve's, in, Steve's, Steve's away yeah. and they would wait for me to come back and, oh, are you here? And I, so I had that ability to focus back then. I don't know mm-hmm. where I lost it. I don't know whether it's with age that I've lost it, but there are some mechanical things that I do that we will, we'll talk about it, And I don't want to tease too much, but sure. I think over the next couple of months, we'll kind of revisit some of these key things, uh, here on the podcast. Cause it, it's relevant for entrepreneurs. It's relevant for uh, those of us starting our own business because we all face, these are universal challenges we now face. Yeah. So if we can get more done, if we can be more on point in the day, that just helps our business. So I, I believe it's, you know, it's, it's in the sweet spot of what we want to talk about on the, on the show here. But one of the things that helps me the most is sound mm-hmm. is I have these noise canceling headsets and I've used a variety of them over the time. And I'm a big believer in audio, uh, and audio isolation in focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a couple of tools, brain FM. And the other one I use is focus at will that, create scientifically designed music. We'll have a much more detailed conversation of this coming up in a future podcast, 
but it, it's scientifically designed to enhance f- concentration and focus because there's certain sounds that actually take us out of certain types of music. A lot of people think, oh, I'll listen to my, I'll listen to my playlist of my old songs. Oh, and no. that'll help me. And I put it on a headset and it just, what it does is it shields you away. But a playlist of old songs is full of memories. Yes. Yes. That pull you out. Right. Exactly. And so, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as how, how music and how sound affects us. You know, we'll, I was going to, I was going to ask you though, too, um, on, I know you recommended rescue time, which I'm totally going to try. Um, but I said, does it have a feature that will yell at you? when you're venturing too far into the low productivity time could talk yeah. about an audio auditory, like, Hey, you've been browsing for 20 minutes. I know you only meant to go for five, but mm. not, not per se, but in the paid version, they have, uh, they have tools that will enhance your focus. And there are other ones that do this as well, but what they do is they block notifications. They block your screen. Um, so there's a couple of techniques that you can do in rescue time. will say, stop all email notifications from coming and stop all notifications on your computer for time. There's other people that need that need the discipline. That will, you will actually be blocked from Facebook as though you were a child. Uh, you blocked <laughs> from Facebook for eight hours. Like you can't go to Facebook and you actually have to kind of make the determination beforehand that you're going to put that in place. And then you have to go in and actually disable it if you want to go into nice. Facebook. So there are so there are tools that help those of us who are weak of spirit and weak of will to help us through that, through that part of the process. That's going to be me. Thank you. And then, as I say, I don't like to talk about technology solutions right now because I want you to look at the reality of it yeah, right now. Yeah. But there are other technology solutions later on. Just be encouraged. Like even as, even something as simple as writing, you know, not using a tool like Google Docs, but using a stripped down plain word processor that, yeah. uh, that, that just looks like a typewriter. Man, oh man, sometimes, you know, when I've done that, uh, I've done some great writing with just, and and actually it comes with the auditory key clicks. And you feel like you're getting stuff done. uh, (laughs) And it just looks like, it doesn't look like, like exactly like a typewriter, but it looks like our old green CRT monitors, you know, with the, with the the green, the green and black writing, that sort of thing. But it does remove the distraction and it Mm -hmm. gets you into that rhythm. Um, So there are, technological solutions which we will share as, as the as the weeks go by but for now if you know if if uh, i'm going to be fascinated to hear what your time audit is and it's it's pretty <laughs> cool when you actually after if you just run it for a few days beforehand then look at the report yeah it, you'll see a roster of all of the different apps that you're using and all of the different things that you're doing and it and it will assign it will say very, very valuable you know it'll it'll weight them so that you can sort them and then you go through and you just modify those yeah, no, and, I, and- I I appreciate you, and I appreciate you saying that too. I'm one of those people that falls into the, oh, there's certainly a tool out there where just make this all better for me. But yeah. you're talking about getting like, no, 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 get introspective. Let it, you know, let a tool tell you what you're doing, but you've got to get a take your own hard look, a reality check. Exactly, how you really are spending your time. That's the that's what the time audit part is. It's you know, yeah. it's 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 let's let's see what we're doing, and you can't see what you're doing if you're modifying it and the fly it's like this like you know if the if the doctor asks you when you go for blood work to the doctor if you know you're going for blood work and you and you clean up your diet the week before and you stop eating salt and you right. stop eating all of the fatty foods so that your blood work comes back and the doctor says you're in great shape you didn't really <laughs> do a blood audit you didn't really right. see what it's like because as soon as as soon as you've done that blood test you drove through mcdonald's on the way home 
I, <laughs> I got I, myself a Wendy's frosty. That'd be that's mine, right. but yes. That's, that's right. That's right. Because I was so good for so long. You know, I'm just going to, you know, going to plow into some KFC. It's not going to, it's, it's, it's not the real world. And so you've got to be honest with yourself. Yes. And, and, and not, and not delude yourself. Cause you know, nobody's judging you on this. Nobody else is going to see what your time audit brings forward. Exactly. It's going to be you. And it's, and it's at the end of the day, uh, you know, maybe people who do have a boss, you know, have people that are, you know, looking over their shoulder at what they're producing and how productive they are. But I, I I'm not really thinking of those people as much in this. I'm thinking of the entrepreneur who we only mm-hmm. answer to ourselves. We're building our own business. And we do want to do more. We do want to be yeah. more productive. We want to spend this this incredibly diminishing resource of our time that we yeah. have left, and we want to make and we want to do good things in that time. Or and it's not just about more, but it's about better. Yeah, exactly. So I love it. I will. Be, and and as someone who is, you know, does have a boss to think about, but just wants to think about if I'm getting my stuff done, I I'm going to come at it from both points, you know, and just mm-hmm. I'll let now, y'all now, know. And, and just to, uh, to add a little creep factor to it, um, rescue time is also available in enterprise versions and, and the companies that have remote workers can have them installed, have it installed and they can use it as a presence checker. So you can see what people are working on. If you set it up that way, it, it comes, doesn't come out of the box that way, but it is that opportunity, which is an entirely different conversation and not uh, what, what I consider to be a particularly appealing conversation. <coughs> Micromanaging, <laughs> about rescue time. I, you know, I, I certainly have far more trust on the people who work for me. We yeah. are task oriented as opposed to time oriented. Yeah. But if you have somebody that's on, you know, if you have somebody that's on a help desk that works for you, uh, knowing that they're actually in the app and answering the questions there, that, that could, that could well, there, there, there's, there are legitimate reasons that a tool like that exists, even though it's somewhat distasteful to us. Yes. But from our perspective, with the way we're using the information, it's there. There's no issues as far as I'm well, concerned. and hopefully anyone who does use it for that kind of oversight, do it from a standpoint of helping the person, oh, yeah. not yeah. you know, not trying to be the well, authoritarian. That's like, going to be based. That's going to be based on relationship and corporate culture, and so that's right. we know that there's we know that that pendulum that there's a vast different range of sorts of people, which is why some people stay in some jobs and leave some jobs. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, let's put a button on this, and uh, I'm because I think you should be getting to auditing your time. I'm going to be looking forward to your feedback on how you do. Uh, you're going to have to share it now with everybody. I have to share it now with everybody. No, no. Once you do it, like the way oh, that I was, I've been yeah. very, I've been very transparent about you my. Have, you yeah, have. Like, I will share it. I and I look. I'm one of those people. Self-deprecation is kind of one of my things, and yeah. I just I'm like whatever. I'm trying to be better, and that's I'll let y'all know. I mean, hey. We'll see how I do. <laughs> Notes for this podcast are available at dototech.com forward slash 65 gray. Dototech.com forward slash 65 gray. Rachel Moore produces. I am Steve Dotto. Till next time, have fun storming a castle.
You think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bah! 